0: Welcome to Cannon Fodder,
1: a behind the scenes look at the Glass Cannon podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Cannon Fodder. My name is Joe O'Brien. And
0: I am Troy Ambiance LaValle Ambiance? Ambiance, yep. It is the. Uh, is that a long- Beyonce reference? It is the no. It is the longest movie ever made. Ah, uh, <laughs> this was <laughs> a long episode. Yep, the t- the tre- teaser trailer was an hour and twelve minutes, and the film itself. Runs a total of 720 hours. That's a 30-day movie. Which is about the runtime of last week's episode.
1: Just just about. We did edit a few things out to cut it down a little just bit. Just a couple
0: but, of dice rolls.
1: Oh my god, was that was that a long haul? And being such a large and epic episode, I felt that it was only right. To bring in a couple of guests on this yeah! cabin fodder, Troy. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We have Mr. Grant Berger in the house.
2: It's your boy Chia Hover. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and of course, what is a long epic discussion without the greatest role player of them all, Skidmar in the house. Hi, <laughs> it's Doctor Skidmar. <laughs> it's Doctor Skidmar. I always
3: thought that. I was under the impression when was on Beyonce made because I was under the impression that Empire by Andy Warhol was the longest movie.
0: Uh, This was uh, this looks like it was 2014.
3: Ah, okay. So until that point, I think Empire was the longest movie.
0: What in the hell could it possibly
1: be? What do you what? Empire
3: is just a. it's like a 12 hour shot looking up at the Empire State Building and that's it. Oh, but I don't know what Ambiance is, but that's what Empire is.
0: We should uh watch it. We got plenty of time. Me yeah, too, we got yeah. plenty of time. There's so much free time <laughs> yeah. that we should just uh,
3: sit down and watch some Warhol well, Ambiance. Let
0: me ask you guys, did it feel like a, a two hour plus? Not episode? at all. No, we I, talked I, about it, no. You know, I, I usually am on top of these things in terms of timing, and I, I was watching the timer, but I just got so wrapped up in that fight that it I, I was like, oh shit, we went really long. Well, I edited this one and I
1: think that I saw a little bit into working on it, what happened. And it was that there was such... It was a full 30 to 40 minutes at the beginning of that episode that was not the where we left off last time with the characters. That was both the great interaction with... Uh, Isseus. Isseus, yes. Isseus huh. the stone giant who comes around and that great conversation with Pembroke, which we'll talk about. And then also... The business conversation, we had to talk business, and there was some corrections to our character abilities, mm-hmm. re-explaining solo tactics, things like that took a, a chunk of time as well, and then we got into it. Well, to me, one of the reasons I loved it was because that is what real sessions are supposed to be like. <laughs> right. You end up doing business for a, a decent chunk of the time, and then you get into it, and that's why sessions, it's so right. Ra- when I tell people that I play this game, in and in a four-hour session is like kind of a quick one. You know, they're just, they don't understand. Even people that like board games are generally like, wait, for four hours and that's a short game? I'm like, it goes like that. Yeah. And that's what it felt like to, to me, that, that episode, as we played it out. And then the encounter just, it kept going and going because they had a million hit points. There were two stages to the encounter. Yeah. Again, all things that we will talk about. But first, I want to talk about the fact that it is Cannon Fighter 69. Oh, and I feel yeah. like there is yeah. <laughs> an nice. appropriate... Question for this one. Uh, our house rule. Do we have a house rule that a roll of 69 on a D100 is an automatic success? Because Skid introduced it, and I think we laughed about it, but I don't know if it's actually a rule in our Giant Slayer campaign.
0: The rule is that it, 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 it has to apply to the miss, uh, when you roll a one in shooting into melee or attacking uh, melee, someone that's grappled. Okay, then so, the so
1: that house rule. Yes. On D one hundred rolls, just concerning that house rule, <laughs> a roll of sixty nine means you don't hurt your friend. Like the best possible
3: thing happens.
0: I can't remember exactly.
3: Well, I think the, at that it becomes oh, it, a critical hit. Because, yeah, because it turns it
1: into, into
0: a crit.
3: Right. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. All
3: right.
0: Yeah. I'm glad I clarified that. I, if that ever forgotten. happens,
1: uh, and then eighty
3: six. That's the other thing. Is eighty six is the worst possible result, and
1: you crit your friend,
3: and then you crit your friend.
1: Right. Oh, oh brutal! Baby. Come on. Four times crit with a gun. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, it, and it's actually perfect because it comes up in this
0: episode, in this combat, yeah. uh, where Baron almost hits Della. We were just joking about it a few weeks ago, like, no, oh, that never happens anymore. And, <laughs> and, of course, Baron, what was up with your gun? <laughs> it was I, uh, a rough day for Baron.
1: I didn't
2: sharpen it the night before, <laughs> and this is what happens. But uh, it made me thrilled that you kind of encouraged me to multi-class, because it gave me a couple other things to do during that fight. And
0: a good advertisement for multi-classing right there.
2: Yeah. Uh, I, mean, it, it, well, I mean, it adds depth to the character, too. There's a lot of great things about multi-classing. So, yeah, I don't know. It was terrible. Every time it was a one or a two. I mean, this is this is just
1: routine for me. I, I thought that it was like, oh, he's having a game of Pathfinder. <laughs> I,
2: I, I, I just I don't understand how you live with such enormous pain every day. Every,
1: every day, Grant. Every day. And, uh, well, you know what? I'm just going to skip ahead, then, to, to talk about that for a second. Just a, a general view at that combat, because... I thought that it was very interesting, if you look back at it, how much everybody chipped in, (laughs) literally, (laughs) Uh, in so many ways. It was one of the first times that you saw Baron just taking a round off to move to go heal Umla. And you saw um, Lexington attacking and hitting on almost every bite attack because these things had that ability to get hit relatively easily, but they just had a lot of... Of hit points, and then you have Nestor kind of slowly working his way around the room, getting you know clear, clearer and clearer shots with five foot steps, and just peppering arrows into these things. I really thought that it was neat. I think that it it created an environment. I think this ooze combat in general creates such an interesting environment for for co- high level combat that I want to get them involved more often mm. in my games, where I'm just kind of putting them in because it's fun to hit. Yeah, that still goes a few rounds beyond what you would expect, and you have these interesting choices that characters are put to when they're moved when they move to your square. I mean, generally speaking, Baron, are you gonna what? What makes you uh, choose whether to fire or whether to get out of the way?
2: At the moment, it was certainly because my gun was jammed and I could have exploded. <laughs> um, the other thing that feels a little strange about it still and I just have that teamwork feat that lets me kind of opportunistically shoot we've gotten some attack of opportunity notes before on Baron uh, so I do feel kind of strange it feels like an attack of opportunity even though it's not the immediate
1: action shot Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: so it feels a little weird too so.
1: well I mean that alone is so incredible watching that take place made me think we are looking at a an ability here which straight up Gives you an extra attack every single round, which is incredibly powerful. And the build to that is very interesting to me, and I wonder how long you were cooking on that. Like, did you see that coming at first level, Inquisitor? Did you know that that was coming, or is this something you stumbled upon when you uh, saw that, you know, third level you got solo tactics and this was one of them?
2: I made a commitment to myself to at least go, if I lived long enough, Four levels into Inquisitor so that I could cast ultra-powerful level 2 cleric spells at level 11. Uh, (laughs) uh, But uh, no, it it came up with the teamwork feats. I knew they were coming along and I didn't really think about them because oftentimes people don't even bother with teamwork feeds because two characters have to have them except in cases where you have classes.
1: Yeah, and even this one would not be so perfect if it right, wasn't for, for having Nestor in your party. Yeah, yeah. So,
2: Nestor, don't die until I do. I'll try um, not to. <laughs> but um, no, the other thing that's great, which I'm looking forward to for Baron, is more versatility as opposed to just shooting guns and deeds, is I can spend a standard action three times a day to change my teamwork feat.
3: Really? Oh, yeah. wow. And yeah. I have a huge
2: list of them. Yeah, it's, it's pretty extensive. I can extensive. change them based on the combat. We'll see what happens when we fight next week. It'll be exciting.
1: That is so much fun. Oh, my God.
0: Yep. Yeah. It's an advanced class. You can do the same thing with your judgments. Swift action, change your judgments. And there's a ton of different judgments. Well,
1: let me ask you guys all in general, and Troy, you two as if you were a player. What do you personally prefer to go up against? A creature that's easy to hit with a gamillion hit points. Or a creature with very few hit points that's much harder to get a handle on, but once you do, you take them out. What do you think is a more fun combat for you
3: i th- it's definitely more fun to just hit them every time <laughs> even if it takes forever to whittle them down it's like, it gets so frustrating to just, with a creature with super high AC just like miss miss like, ah, fuck miss fuck fuck <laughs> like you just feel so incompetent, whereas if they have a lot of hit points, it's like you feel like you're doing your job it's just like man, it just, just takes a while just takes a while.
0: see I'm the opposite I like trying to figure it out and like trying different things and having nothing work and then finally something works it's like the dark souls method yeah uh, it's like oh no that doesn't work what about this weapon now oh, yeah they're impervious to this and then finally it works and then hammering that home as much as possible
2: but that also gets really annoying when you kind of figure out why you're not hitting them but your party has no means to do so a la shadow rats
1: <laughs> yeah yeah that can be brutal. That can be brutal. I, I, but then you have to run, you know what I mean? which is what we were saying at that time, which we don't do a lot. Not a lot of parties do. They don't, you don't see a whole lot of running in Pathfinder. You, see, you either beat the encounter or you see a TPK. Uh, but in this case, I think the introduction of the ooze as not an ooze at first – was really fun, and so where can you tell us anything else about this character, like uh,
0: this monster? Where did it come from? Nao, was it unique to this book? What, did it exist in a bestiary before this? It is Adventure Path uh, back matter, actually. Um, so it was created for this Adventure Path, and and was added into uh, this uh, this encounter. What a cool idea! It's, it's such a cool. <laughs> reading idea. it, I'm like, how has this not existed before? It just makes sense that they would uh, have. It's, it's a kind of like, like an like advanced giant mummy.
3: Basically, yeah 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 but the, the whole but having those two stages the two very different stages was very cool
0: yeah yeah the fact that I, what i loved immediately i was like all right, Nestor. One of these guys—they're going to break one of them apart, and then anyone within thirty feet or whatever it was—because three yeah. d six exploding damage.
3: That's the thing: is they have the two really distinct stages, and then in between them is an event that like deals damage. Right, right, right. The transitional event deals damage. Talking about why. Dark
0: Souls, like that's a very Dark Souls thing. Here comes stage two sure. of the Yeah, yeah it's it, and, and
1: it it existed long before Dark Souls. I mean, I know when I was playing Warcraft, that was a huge, huge aspect to all, every boss fight was stages <clears> there's <throat> always stage one stage two stage three sometimes there was a stage four and it would be vastly different the fight would change it makes it so fun mm-hmm. and you can see your progress happening which i think is a good way to balance out that them having a million hit points because that can get just boring after a while i did 50 points out i did 50 i did 50 and i did another 50 and Troy's it, it just like okay yeah okay yeah okay it's, i'm not making any progress when you can see the progress, all right, hey, I'm, I'm at a certain point here, all right, now we're moved on to stage two, you know, you're, you're moving along, and then to have it be, like you said, it's such a different creature in stage yeah.
0: two. Yeah, yeah. Really fun. I yeah. wish more combats were like that, like uh, they're not, ten- this one just was innately built that way where it had two stages, but I think it would be a good challenge. I'm gonna, some, certainly, I'm some, something I'm going to be thinking about trying to build stages, you know what I mean? So it's not just like, spell, 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 all right, go invisible, heal, fly around, Spell, 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 spell. You know, I want to try and mix it up a little more.
2: I think I got to amend my previous answer. My favorite enemies are those that have a lot of hit points and are easy to hit, but also don't hit back like the Gurions.
0: That
3: was my favorite enemy to to fight. I agree with you on that one.
1: An enemy that has an incredibly low AC, uh, like uh, like a Gurion.
3: Low AC, low to hit. Yeah, they're just always prone. Very low hit points. (laughs)
1: Uh, but we, yeah,
3: but I do just to the multi-stage combat. Like I like that too because it's like a Led Zeppelin song because you come in and it's just like oh this is a great riff and then it's just like it turns into a completely different song half through, halfway through and it's like oh it's another great song, yeah, another one song
1: <laughs> and this is a great song too. Yeah, we should do that more often.
0: That's a good point. We should yeah. do a Zeppelin that more often. encounter. A Zeppelin encounter. Yeah, <laughs> yes. we can actually
1: fight a
3: Zeppelin. <laughs> you know, maybe cool. in Star, maybe in a uh, Starfinder. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, we will, we'll return to the temple, but let me take you back to the beginning of the episode and the encounter with... I, I, I Isseus. 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 The encounter with... Isseus. 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 Skip. did you see this coming at all? Did you guys uh, have this planned out? Be honest, don't lie. Uh, Sense motive.
3: No, we, we, we did,
0: right? Yeah, we very briefly talked about it. Oh, I, you did? Yeah, I said to Skid before we recorded, I'm like, I want to... You told him to come back and visit you at night and we just the the sort of momentum of the previous episode there was never a time for me to go over to the cathedral so it's something i really wanted to address i wanted to reward skid for doing something so cool but i kind of left it at that and then skid was like what about this what about that it's like all right great let's just improvise and see what happens and uh and so there was nothing else talked about just we we will talk those characters will talk. Skid had some, as usual, phenomenal ideas, <laughs> and I just glommed onto him. I said, okay, good, go, go, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> okay, so did we hear anything that was your idea? Did you name him?
3: I didn't name him. That was a great the, No, name. the name was a, was a surprise. Was well, that was it? one of the things I wanted to ask Troy, what's his name? What, tell me your name. Like, I wanted to hear what, 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 what Troy came up with. Who he is, yeah. But I just wanted to kind of, you know, Pembroke has, has a plan but i don't know what it is okay and we don't know like i wanted to cut away to be like this is let's let's show like it's like a cinematic type thing it's like let's just see let's just see the beginning of this conversation yeah. and cut away before we hear anything substantive like that's what i
1: and that was your idea
3: yeah that was that was, was a that great was idea, idea.
1: Yeah. it works so perfectly like he leans in and then, you know, he's going to start talking about Urithaj. Like, right. like, yeah, it was a little yeah. cliffhanger yeah. And well, within know, a two-hour episode. We'll
3: figure it all out later, but at that point, it was just like, you know, leave everyone in suspense.
1: And uh, and does that mean that then you know more as a player right now than Grant and I do about what he is saying?
3: I don't want to say. Okay. I don't want to say. I know. I will say Pembroke does. Sense metaphor. <laughs> A good role. Uh, so
1: you and troy are doing a little cooking behind our yeah, yeah, okay. yeah yeah it worked perfect
0: skid and i were texting all day and then he was the first one to arrive to the session so then we got to really spitball and then you know that's the beauty of getting yeah. to role play with yeah. skid
1: i like when i'm on that side of that i, I like, when I, yeah, like yeah. when I sit down to an episode like the lork episode and i'm like <laughs> yeah i know something no one i else know knows. something you don't know yeah. <laughs> exactly
2: grant were you gonna say something no, just I wanted a sense motive. I rolled a 25. So. <laughs> <laughs> and back to Grant's roll. <laughs> what skids, Bluff
1: Check? <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, just a little peek in there, and we will come back to that, obviously. But then we rejoin the, the main story crew on the the path to this final piece of the puzzle, the clay to line the thingy uh, to light the forge. <laughs> 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 it's called a thingy, right? right. Yes. <laughs> Minderhall dubbed this The Thingy Yes <laughs> We must
2: relight The Ancient Thingy It's actually a plumbus I don't know <laughs> A plumbus
1: So uh, we see uh, The return Of this fantastic NPC Who unfortunately Makes such a brief Appearance On the porch Of the temple <laughs>
0: Uh, the Mirage.
1: Yeah, and I, I mean the questions have been rolling in. Troy, is he is he to
0: return? Or Listen, I I don't want to say too much, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> he never existed. <laughs> oh. uh. Any any chance to play like one of those type of characters, sign me up. Yeah, I just I
1: love break the fourth wall characters <laughs> in games. The best. It's my favorite, <laughs> just my yeah. favorite. So we get up to the temple, and it's not locked per se it's wedged shut
0: yeah and uh, shut. i'm gonna go i'm gonna go
1: quick around the room i don't want you guys looking anything up i don't want you thinking too much just want you to answer gut gut check can you take 20 on a strength check troy
0: i'm gonna stop looking at your ipad i'm gonna say yes skid yeah grant
1: no the answer is yes you I just can? said no to be different. I thought yeah, it was yes, I too. Appre- <laughs> ah. And I
3: appreciate it. Way to be wrong, it. buddy. Uh, I'm uh, the <laughs> Skip Bayless of this program. <laughs> Way yeah. to be wrong, buddy. You contrarian wrong bastard. Now, it
1: is, of course, very easy to say, no, you cannot take a strength check when failing the check would mean something disastrous happens, obviously. <clears throat> you can only take 20 on a check when failure does not immediately result in a complete change of the situation. But I just don't like I wonder why we didn't just take 20. On this. We never
3: take 20 on the We anybody. always we
1: forget do to do that.
3: We always roll. We always roll for it. And I, I don't know why <laughs> it's Troy's trick to get us to spend all our bottle caps. Yeah,
1: and our uh my one-time use uh, belt of
0: the day. He's
1: it like, is. Ah, I mean,
3: him. it's it's fun to roll and it's more dramatic like in terms of putting on a show for people. So I mean, that's part of it, but
0: What do you guys think the break DC was for that door?
3: Oh, uh, I would guess uh, 35 18
0: Oh, Twenty eight. Oh, 28. 28. So wow. does anyone have uh, a plus eight to their strength score? No.
1: Yeah, I never really understood the concept
3: of the break DC.
1: I mean, I understand why it exists, but like having a break DC of 28, like why wouldn't you just say, this can't be broken?
0: Well, no. I mean, if
3: you just need a big bunch of people to like aid.
0: Yeah, I guess if you all ate it on one shot
1: to try to break it.
3: If you
0: ever had somebody with, you know, over 20 strength and you cast bull bull strength on them, they could take 20 and open it. Yeah. Yeah yeah I mean it was just it, you guys came up with a cool solution it had a, a hardness of 8 and 90 hit points and a break DC of 28 there is no one really capable of yeah. doing that so the other option was to have you guys just chung 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 like yeah. for 45 minutes <laughs> chopping away and shooting and shooting bullets at the door one gold, <laughs> two gold,
1: how much did it cost for us to open that door
0: yeah and I just love the idea Sir Will and Nestor coming up with a cool idea let's earth glide under the door take yeah. the risk of being attacked you know because you didn't know what was the other side of yep. that door and then I was like, great. I'll, now you were able to push it while they pull. Tip, tip of the cap to Grant Berger on that one. That was his
2: idea. Yeah, yeah Troy, that's my idea. Another great idea. <sighs> I'm not dumb like everyone says. I'm smart.
0: <laughs> I'm <laughs> wait, I'm smart. Wait, wait. When he wants respect. Sense motive.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so we break
1: into the to the temple. And obviously it's so cool. So much religious iconography. We managed to forget. I have re-listened to 105 since recording 123 and uh, it was so obvious like they you told us back then everything that was going on in this temple but Mm. I had forgotten it and uh, but it was neat kind of rolling on was it Fundara rolling on the Fundara Fundara and uh, the, the priestess of Fandara, Mimrith and she coats these uh, stone giants in clay, and that's what we end up seeing. Paints and, their
0: visage on it. Yeah. That's so cool.
1: That's what we end up seeing in fighting. So just take it. This isn't what happened by any means. <laughs> just taking this as an inspiration and going back to something we just talked about a couple minutes ago. You walk in and you see these clay cubes, right? Now, in this case, we, we obviously, we had to like do something to them before we could leave with them uh, to, to actually turn those blocks of hardened mud in, into clay. Have you guys ever uh, been in a situation where you deliberately knew there was something you had to get as a player, as a PC in a game, and you just got it and then, like, ran from the encounter without doing the encounter? (laughs) Have you ever done that? Have you ever been like, well, this is all we need, and this ooze, let's just say, that's a million hit points and is not going to catch us and isn't going to leave – uh, we'll just run away from it.
3: Well, uh, yes. I actually. Then there's this kind of a similar situation that happened in our Rune Lord campaign recently, where at one point you have to visit a location that has like seven different components, seven different areas, but the items that you need are only in two of them, and so they oh. happen to find them kind of early on, and so I realize as the GM, it's just like they don't need to go to like anywhere else in this place like they can they can leave now and they're fine so like i presented them as just like you guys have what you need like you can either you can keep going to these other places like get up some more experience like that would pretty much be it there's nothing necessary i'll tell you there's nothing necessary that's in this the rest of this <coughs> place or or you know or you can just leave and they was like worry we want to finish the story let's go but i've do been fa- at this for five years
2: i don't think <laughs> I don't think this is an instance where we could have leave. Didn't we need to use the sluice at this location for it?
1: No, no. I, I, and I said that. I said this doesn't occur. Well, right, 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 but right. it just sparked the question in my got head. It. got it. Had you ever encountered that before? Yeah, this wasn't an option here. We had to fight these things because we had to use the system, which Baron was able to find out with a good knowledge engineering check. And I guess I still don't really... I don't really understand it. Uh, we we had to make the, the cubes wet in order to, and then take that back to the
0: cathedral. Well, you had this dry these dry clay blocks, and you needed to add the water from this sluice. Now, whether this water was special. Or not, you know. You just didn't want to take any chances. Like, get all the way back to the cathedral and have a ten, and be like, "So you added the water from the sluice, right?" <laughs> and you were like, "No, I just thought we could add any water." Well, now you got to go back. Yeah, and <laughs> then we a- would lose subscribers.
1: <laughs> it, uh, and then we'd start rolling eighty percent chance random encounters right, right all up. the way. Back. Yeah. It makes me want to
2: watch Ghost again, so I can understand throwing clay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Not many gaming situations make you want to watch Ghost again. But All the, of them
2: do, Joe.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I just watched Ghost last week. Really? I did. I Are watched you it kidding a, me? No, I'm not even kidding. That's a good movie. <laughs>
1: it is a good I, I I loved it when I was. Rest in, in peace, high
2: Patrick Swayze. You're an inspiration to Texans everywhere.
3: Yes. <laughs> an, an ugly man can become a sex symbol like that. That is hugely inspirational. <laughs>
1: well we <laughs> well, we do we do have a the final piece. Of the puzzle now, and that's what we know we have. So it's like time to figure out how to get back yeah. to this thing. And so uh, we've been talking about it. We've talked a little bit about it, but I don't want to. I don't want to reveal too much because we haven't told Troy
2: well, anything.
0: Well, you can reveal it. Pass.
2: I I just like when we get to these situations, and I I wish he was here today, uh, because it's really some of my favorite times working with Matthew in general, uh, because being around you guys is a chore, I consider it a job, (laughs) Um, is uh, hearing hearing him go through his spell book and think outside the box, Matthew's brain really, so it'll be interesting to hear what he says
3: about it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I'm excited. So, yeah, we won't go too much into it here. We will, we'll talk about it. I'm sure at uh, the at least near the top of next episode, depending on where Troy
0: starts the story.
3: Yeah, we're not we sure, don't know.
0: We're not sure which location we'll be in. You never know what old <laughs> Slick La Valley's going to throw at you. Yeah, well, let me throw a question at you, Troy, <laughs> and a little listener map
1: hates <laughs> listening.
0: Listener mail. Oh, <laughs> you listening,
1: listener mail. That edition. International oh, edition. Oh, baby. Ladies Ooh. and gentlemen, it is an international edition listener mail on this cannon fodder. Long time fan of the show, an incredibly loyal listener. Ruth from Cheshire in the UK.
3: Cheshire. 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 I say. uh, Cheshire? Cheshire? Cheshire. Cheshire? Cheshire. Cheshire Cheshire. in the U... It's
1: in
0: the UK. What about the Cheshire cat?
1: Is that where that's from? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) this is one knowledgeable podcast.
0: And that's been Listener Mail. (laughs) (laughs) See you later, Ruth. (laughs) Ruth, thanks
1: so much for writing in. She says, uh, I've listened to a lot of cannon fodder, and it has inspired me to go out GMing myself at some point in the not-too-distant future. So that's excellent. We're happy to hear that. I have one question, which I don't think has been addressed on the show yet, and which I thought might make for an interesting discussion. Mm -hmm. How do you guys keep track of what information the players know versus what you know as a GM? I hear Troy saying a lot of the time on the show, you know this or you know that, and I would imagine in some cases the PCs come to a conclusion which is at odds with the actual facts of the AP. So do you have some top GM tips to avoid letting slip more information than the PCs have?
0: It's a good question. It is a good question, top especially question. when you're
1: approaching the end of book three. You're now at a point where there's a lot of information out there. Have you
0: ever slipped before?
1: Uh, is this something that you're concerned about? Do you have a method to
0: keep your, uh, play your hand close to your vest? Well, I will say that. I sometimes overestimate what you guys know as players because I just I have all the information at the ready and I'm just assuming you guys haven't connected all these dots yet, you know, because it's so clear to me. I you know I try to do my best to make sure you guys know it, and that's why I encourage you guys to talk things out so much, so it allows me to be like, okay, well they don't really know what's going on over there. I guess I'm not explaining it right. Now, if you say (laughs) something that's and that happens. Pretty much every time we talk to each other,
3: it's funny. I, I could say the same thing as a DM. When we're like running Rune Lords like so often. I'll sit there and I'll be like, "Ah, oh, guys, what do you want to do next?" And they, and they, they're like talking around. They don't know what's happening, and I just sit there thinking, "These guys are so stupid." <laughs> Like they're so dumb. Like Me li- too. I listen to their dumb theories, and they're like gone oh, way off target. I'm like, oh my god! Like why am I stuck with these idiots? Skid,
2: Skid also plans these moments for when he ne- needs to use the restroom. So I'll just yeah. walk out of the room and be like, oh, yeah. figure it out, guys. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'll go out, get
1: Can't a
2: drink, stand and like, listening to the
1: idiocy. <laughs> then
2: he comes yeah. back
0: to their genius plan. <laughs> Um, but you know, I will say in in direct response to her question, when I hear you guys recounting things and say something completely wrong that I know I've already given you the correct information to, I'll, I'll always jump in and try and correct correct it. it. Like, no, actually it was this remember you know I try to make it feel like remember you're not an idiot, remember <laughs> uh,
3: Rem- Now remember Remember <laughs> Remember
0: we talked
1: about this, we talked about this. About this? Uh, Uh, Well, I mean, I think that you did, in a way, answer the question pretty directly, which is one strategy is ask questions first. Start by, if you're unsure what they know, just ask questions. Don't start with, you know this and you know that. Start by saying, what do you remember about Mimrith? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Mimrith the maker. And we would literally, if you would have done that, we would have been like, nothing. Nothing. (laughs) <laughs> we, uh, I mean, I would have said clay lined, lined the ancient forge
3: well, we had with the, clay. We could have gone into our notes. We had the notes. Right, sure. I bet you Matthew
0: but, knew uh, knew it because he was the one connected to her.
1: So was there a choice that you made there, Troy, like to not bring it up and just say, like, ah, they don't really need to know the information? Because if we would have known a little bit more about Fundara, the clay covered, giants, all that stuff, we, I mean, obviously— Sir Will still suspected that there was something funky with those statues, <coughs> but maybe we would, we would have known a little bit more about what we were walking into. Did you
0: choose to not do that, or was it something you just didn't yeah, think well, about? Yeah, well, to me, is like, obviously, when you're a player and you see a statue, you're always going to be like, hmm. Okay. Yeah, every <laughs> time. I, they, they always statues. come to life. Statues. Um, but I wanted you to go in with the knowledge that you had, the, the homework that you'd done by re-listening to episodes or looking back at your notes, and then by the end of the episode, fill in the blanks. I don't want to Because if I start saying too much, then I'm tipping my hand. This is what you know about Fundara. She tends to uh, make statues of her dead.
3: Yeah, with him use,
1: use worms to eat the, you know, the bodies. But, right, then I'm ruining... Well, wait a
0: minute. Oh, I didn't tell
3: them that in 105.
1: I'm ruining
0: that the statues are going to come alive. Yeah,
3: re-listening um, to that episode, I was like, holy shit, Like he said all of this. <laughs> yeah, right? I, I didn't remember it at all. It was, like, it was crazy. I wonder
0: how many of the listeners remembered, though. But uh, you didn't know about flesh-eating worms. And stuff. No, no, no. That was the secret. Yeah. But certainly yeah. if I had said that, then you're like, be careful. When these things explode, it worms. How much more fun is it? Nestor hits it. Boom! This giant ooze worm comes at you. Yeah. Well, I
1: mean, Skid knew that when it explodes, like that's what happens because he read it.
3: Why
0: well, knew? Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Skid aside, it so a surprise often to the rest. it, it what?
3: just comes in so handy. Like reading it so often, <laughs> reading the adventure ahead of time, just like it really helps a lot. Like all, so it help, often,
1: it especially helps to know the DCs of like the necessary checks. Yeah, and like everything. all the all their you hit just points. It saves time.
3: Yeah, uh,
2: cutting out the middleman. <laughs> but Matthew on the episode said he read out what uh, deal was, and I think he said that she simply annoyed them. So when I thought of anointing, I just thought of a little bit on top of there. So it was still kind of a fun surprise, not like fully remembering. Yeah, uh, definitely. But I do think there's also times when it
1: is much more interesting as a player to f- to fully remember. Right. If sure. you're told something that's going to make everything more interesting, like I think, and again, re- re-listening to 105, I would have been much more. I didn't think about. I had forgotten that. Rosag's whole thing was water. Like, yeah, it's the prayer, but she's also this kind of. Uh, she, she's so super focused on water, a and that was the, yeah, and that was the underwater temple. So yeah, it would yeah. have meant a little bit more to me if I would have remembered properly. Another, you know, argument for good note taking. Like, be diligent about it. I was, I am not, especially on this, because you're doing so much other stuff. I, I should do it more because you just have
0: more fun. You know, Imagine if you had come to the Shrine of Fundara before ever visiting Atena, which is completely possible, and I'm sure a lot of parties do that before going into Minderhalls Valley proper outside of the cathedral. Then you'd be like, what the hell is going on? Kind of like what happened with Joggerthyr's cave and with Adarami's chapel. You guys got there and just happened to stumble upon the fire geodes. Found the horn and the other stuff. We were so lucky tablets. to find those fire geodes in retrospect. Oh yeah, well I wasn't going to let yeah. you get out of there without finding them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're, not, we're not coming back. I here. was like, come on, Johnny Stonecutting, let's get this done. <laughs> well, and
2: we, and we we could have wasted a decent amount of time by going by a lake and just not knowing that there was that temple. Right, underneath. nothing That's to see True. here.
3: Yeah, we wouldn't have known. We'd have no reason to know. But I just, temple I, under I just I just
2: realized since you said associated with water, associated with this clay, uh, uh, fire, wind. From the horn, we're making Captain Planet. That's clearly what's happening here. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. Um, so you
2: have been reading the
0: book.
1: <laughs> another idea that I uh, that I did in Council of Thieves, if you remember, Skid, this was very late in the campaign. Once it got really, really big, there were a lot of players. I, uh, I mean, like a lot of players in the in the story, in the grand story, there were a lot of different NPCs and enemies, villains, factions, all that kind of stuff. And I wrote real tiny on one eight and a half by eleven sheet, and I drew kind of a map. Of all the people and how they all connected and what kind of – what the, the factions they were and whether they were enemies or whether they had uh, – or, or whether people were deceased or whether – that and I sat down and did that around book five. And that was a good way to just kind of put in front of them just on names alone who they knew – And then they can ask you questions if they don't remember who a certain person is. You can tell them, and you're not risking revealing too much because you're going to take your time and do it before the session, not on the spur of the moment, and write down kind of all the people that are the the persons of interest, as it were.
3: That was was an extreme situation because that particular adventure, there are dozens of important NPCs. Yeah, because you all stay in the same city. Yeah, it's all in the same city, so...
2: Well, that's why I've uh, endeavored uh, to rent a storage locker like Matthew McConaughey at the end of True Detective, and it's just going to have red string going from picture here to paragraph there, really going to map things out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You should put that on the Tumblr. <laughs> yeah. Here's another thing, that, uh, and I think it might be part of her question as well, and I know I've done this, uh, and I'm going to give a, a silly example because it's, not, it's the only thing I can think of that, thankfully, I haven't done. When you're just reading the text sometimes and you reveal too much, you're like, yeah, it's a beautiful room. It's got vines over there. There's a bookcase and a secret door. And, a, dah, dah, dah. you know, but like you'll say something. Flavor you, text. You didn't mean to say. And I just sometimes I'll, I'll blurt something out, not as obvious as that. But I'm like, I didn't mean to say that. And so I look to see if anyone latched onto it. And if they didn't, I pretend it never happened. <laughs> but if someone latches onto it, now I'm like stuck with it. Does, yeah. the, you, does that ever happen to you guys? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, it's definitely happened to me.
1: I mean, obviously, you're not, you know, say secret door. But there are right. definitely, sometimes there is like, uh, oh, a good example I know from an actual adventure is an oven. There's an oven, like an old, old, old oven. And there's something important in it. And it says, like, it's not in the flavor text, but in the thing. They're like, if they specifically point out and search the oven they tried to burn a clue that's right. in there. You know what I mean? And so, like, you could easily be reading that part describing the thing that isn't set aside by Paizo in the publication and just describing what's there and then be like, if the PCs decide to
2: search the oven. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. God damn it. Yeah. Coven, I
0: said coven. A coven of witches. Well, speaking of coven, I says.
2: Speaking of player knowledge, since we all ran this at Gen Con uh, for, for um, listeners... House of Harmonious Wisdom. There's one part of the adventure I'm not going to ruin, but instead of using the chase mechanic, it uses its own mechanic, and I went ahead and just explained exactly how they could win it to them, as opposed to saying, "Try to do a. Tell me
1: what you want to do. Right.
0: Yeah. You'll be there all day if you don't give them the option.
2: Yeah. Sometimes they do. A writer
1: for a, a PFS scenario will specifically put in a new mechanic that they thought of for this area, and I do exactly what you said. I present it like a game. Right. And I tell them all the rules, right. how they win or lose, and then I let them have fun with it. I think making it a narrative thing, where you're just going to like uh, hide the mechanics behind the curtain, and so yeah. it just seems narrative, it doesn't have the same effect, I don't, I don't think that's that, it, that's
2: intended. And if they don't know they're playing a game and they get angry they lost a game they're not playing, like that's another... Poor thing about hiding that information.
1: Yeah, so uh, that's another good point. I think this is kind of tangential to the question, which is don't be afraid to bring up mechanics mm. that, like, you know, what DCs are sometimes. I mean, I will flat out tell people when a DC is really high, and I've said this before on Counterfighter, just to show you what your characters are looking at. Yeah. Sometimes you try to describe it, but you don't see what your character sees. But if I describe it to you mechanically, you can say, oh, okay, so my character would look at that and know that it's almost impossible for me to hit it. Right. Yeah. Like, yes, exactly. That's the kind of danger you should feel right now. Yeah. Uh, there are some things you can let slip, quote-unquote, that, that are you know, usually behind the curtain that actually improve the experience for the players. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, that, I think, will wrap it up. But thank Sounds you, like Ruth. By else...
3: the way, Ruth sent us like a bunch of uh, sweeties, a bunch of English sweeties, like, months ago. She sent us uh, chocolates and stuff. So I want to thank her again for that. That was great.
1: Thank you so much, Ruth. And and thank you for the question. And thank all of you, as always, for writing in these terrific questions. Please continue to do so. Glass Cannon Podcast. Send us candy. At gmail.com. And
3: send us candy.
1: (laughs) That's going to do it for us. Thank you to Grant and Skid and Troy for coming together for this one. A special, (laughs) when you have a two-hour episode, you need a nice juicy fodder. So thank you, guys. And uh, can't wait. To see how we're gonna get the hell back to that cathedral.
3: Ah. I don't know.
1: Without a million random encounters. All I know is next
0: week's episode, 25 minutes.